The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high-adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exist to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us, and we'll, we'll dive right in. Lord Jesus, God love you. Thank you for this morning and, uh, and last night, just the, the being able to sit under the authority of your word. And um, God, I, I pray that you would continue to conform us to your image by it, that your Holy Spirit would um, empower us right now to, to pay attention, to be focused, that would be encouraged and challenged in areas um, to further surrender ourselves to you. God, uh, I confess that I uh, need you, that I, I ask that your spirit would bring to my mind um, what's been studied, and that you would speak clearly through me for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so this breakout is entitled um, Spiritual Disciplines. And so from the outset, I, I want to say this, that Primarily what we're going to be looking at is, one, how to view spiritual disciplines. Like, what, what, are, we, what are we talking about? What do we mean? And, and what's the motivation behind this? Um, and then I want, in, in, our, in the time that we have, uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to really stick to my notes and be concise because could, this could potentially be a, a multi-breakout um, uh, series on the spiritual disciplines. Um, but I really want to focus on the, 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 the disciplines that we find in Scripture, right? There, there could be a lot of other things added to this breakout, um, like maybe like journaling, things that are very valuable and important. I think that we should cultivate into our life that are very helpful. But I, I'm primarily going to focus on what Scripture tells us, what God tells us in His Word that we need to be doing um, in order to grow in godliness, okay? So... Um, Go ahead, I'm going to usually do this at the end, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend a couple of resources. Uh, this book is called um, Disciplines of a Godly Young Man by Kent and Carrie Hughes. Uh, Kent's a pastor and just he, he's got a commentary series that's just ex- excellent. Uh, really good resource. Um, and then Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by uh, Donald Whitney. Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. Um, both these books have uh, been super helpful for me, personal life, and then in preparing this breakout, uh, great tools. In fact, I've uh, borrowed, we'll say borrowed, from both of them a lot for the structure of, of how we're going to attack this. So, ask you guys this question. What's the chief end of man? Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Thank you. I felt that was like when I asked my kids that at night, like one of them is going to be right out of the chute, to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? Have you all heard that? This is the Westminster uh, Catechism um, asks that question. Why do we exist, right? Like, why are we here? To glorify God, right? To, to, to worship him, to love him for who he is, to know him, to love him, to obey him, to surrender to him, to, to find our ultimate satisfaction in who he is and what he's done in the relationship that we can have with him, right? That's why we exist, and so we know, right, the fall came into the world and messed all that up. We, we bit into the lie, 
and that lie poisoned us and has been killing us ever since. The lie that we could be God, that we know what's right, that we can determine what's true, that lie has been killing us, right? That brought sin into the world and death through sin, and that spread to every single one of us. And so what we have in redemption, right, is the undoing of that in, in, in Christ, right? We're dead in Adam, alive in Christ. And so now what is happening between that moment when you come to Christ for salvation and the moment when you die, when, when we'll be glorified, when we'll see Jesus for, for who he is and as he is, we'll be transformed finally, fully, forever. In between, we have this thing called sanctification, right? If we're using the fancy words, we're justified here, we'll be glorified over here, here and here being like points in time, right? And in the middle is this path called sanctification. That's not optional, right? Not optional. If you're a Christian, you are on that path. There's not a plan B. There's not another way to get there. It's going to look different for each one of us, but we're on this path of sanctification. And, and what that means is we're being made more and more and more holy. We're being, the way that we're about to read it in Romans chapter 8 is we're being conformed to the image of Jesus. So let me read this. Romans chapter 8. I'll start in verse uh, 28. Super familiar passage. Uh, really, in, I don't know if I have a favorite chapter in the Bible, but but this is up there. It's like in the top 100, all competing for the same spot. Um, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers... And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. All right? So we have, he even, in this passage, Paul goes before time begins, right? To tell us what's going on behind the curtain. But then he says that, right? Like, you've been justified, you'll be glorified. In the middle, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus. That is why God made you. That is why God saved you. He is making you more and more like Jesus. And that is the point of the spiritual disciplines. Because the justification, right, we know this. That's all God's work. What did we bring to the table for our salvation? A corpse, right? That's all we brought. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, right? And then the exclamation point is the resurrection. We're with him. We know that by God's grace. We are buried with him through baptism into his death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. God identified us with Jesus in those moments, but Jesus did all the work. He did all the work. And now we have huge responsibility in this thing we call sanctification. We have a lot of work to do in our being conformed to the image of Jesus. And now, and, and, and I say that word intentionally because I think for a lot of us, and, and myself included, like I want to like violently guard what I just got done talking about. We are saved by grace. Right? I, I don't want legalism to leak its way into my life the three L's of that sentence, right? Like, I, want to, uh, I, I don't want to mix the message. I don't want legalism in that view of the gospel to distort you know, what it means to be saved. 
And I think for some of us, we've so held on to that that we've allowed that same beautiful truth to get perverted when it comes to our sanctification, when it comes to our growth in the gospel, when it comes to being conformed to the image of Jesus. And we, we again just see it all in the same way as God's work. Now, here's the balance, right? That it is still God's work. It, the spiritual disciplines, the applying these practical steps to our life, if done by, in the wrong motivation and not in surrender to the Holy Spirit and by His power, will just become more legalism. And, and it won't really con- conform us to the image of Jesus. We are dependent on God's grace every step of the way along this path of sanctification. But we have work to do. We have work to do. It takes discipline, right? And, and Paul talks like this. We know it. So uh, let me read a, a couple other passages. First uh, John 3, 1 through 3, and I, I'm going to try to keep moving, so I apologize if this goes too fast for you. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope, here it is, everyone who has this hope purifies himself as He is pure. God's done this amazing thing. We have this hope out in front of us, so what do we do? Work for purity, right? So, our responsibility um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7 through 9. Uh, before I read that, Vance Havner said this, The alternative to discipline is disaster. The alternative to discipline is disaster. Right? We don't drift towards holiness. We don't. Right? This is why the, the author of Hebrews warns against not paying attention to the truth of the gospel that we've heard. He says, hey, don't neglect this, right? What happened to the, and he points to the Old Testament. He's like, what happened to people who neglected their good news? And they drifted, yeah, to, into disaster, into shipwreck. Man, we are not going to naturally, just by being who we are, we will revert to the flesh, we have to fight the flesh. We have to find ways to fight the flesh, to put the flesh to death, and to feed our spirit. Okay? So, First uh, Timothy chapter 4, 7-9. through nine. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. And this verse right here, in this word, train, is really where the whole idea of spiritual disciplines has been born. Um, that word... Uh, is where we get our for train, and I think the King James just says exercise, and the New American Standard says discipline. Uh, but the Greek word is where we get our word gymnasium. And if you trace that word back, I mean, it, it means just that it's like the idea of not just athletes, but like professional athletes training for something, disciplining themselves for something. Okay, so it's it's an intense word. It's it's a sweaty word. It's, it's a vigorous word. It brings out the idea of maximum effort for a specific thing, okay? Train yourself to what end? Godliness. Godliness or Christ-likeness. The idea of that in godliness is that we're experiencing God 
and being conformed to the image of Jesus. Okay? For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The saying, were, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, what end? Godliness. We toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So we train. We discipline ourselves. Bring ourselves into subjection. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 14 said this, Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And for the holiness without, without which no one will see the Lord. And he's not saying if you don't become holy enough, you won't make it to heaven. I think he's driving home that same point throughout the book of Hebrews is this. There is no path between justification and glorification that does not involve you being conformed to the image of Jesus. A pursuit of holiness. A growth in godliness. Okay. Um, last statement on this before we uh, go to the next section is the spiritual disciplines that we're going to talk about aren't, aren't, the, aren't the goal, right? They're the means to the goal. The goal is godliness. The goal is conformity to the image of Jesus. These are just the means, right? That, that if, if, if they become the goal, that's when, we, again, we'll, we'll revert back into legalism. Just like uh, and for me, this is by and large theoretical, but weight training, right? Benching, deadlift, squats ultimately aren't the goal. What's the goal? Strength, right? Physical strength. That's the goal. That's why you do those things. Now, some people enjoy that. Other people, I'll use myself as an example, don't, I don't naturally like going to get in the gym. I don't enjoy that time. But I know if, I, if I'm going to grow in strength or at least try to maintain some semblance of strength, I need to do those things, right? And so the same thing here is these things that we're going to talk about, Bible study, prayer, fasting, meditation, right? These things that it, giving, serving, in and of themselves aren't just the goal, right? They're the means of godliness, right? That we don't fall back into legalism, so, because uh, I do think for some people, again, in, in a, an abuse of the understanding of grace or a perversion of our understanding of grace, that people will get uncomfortable when we start talking about things that we need to do, things that you need to do to grow in godliness. We get uncomfortable with that language because of the idea of legalism when uh, it was actually... Um, Whitney that said this, and it resonated with me when he said it, because I think, man, I've heard a whole lot more about the warnings of falling into legalism than I've met people who are in danger of being legalistic. You know, what, I've, what I personally struggle with more and what I've seen more is just being carnal, is being worldly. I mean, we're in way greater danger in going in that direction than legalism a lot of times. And sometimes, man, we can use the idea of, well, I don't want, I don't want to be legalistic. And then it be- becomes an excuse just to be lazy, <laughs> undisciplined, slack in our pursuit of holiness, which God has commanded that we do. Be holy, for I am holy. 
a command. Train yourself for godliness. That is a command, not from Paul, but from the Holy Spirit who is inspiring Paul, from God. Train yourself. It's, it's a command. Yeah, we need to guard against discipline. Think about the Lord, right? Jesus, I mean, he was harsh with the Pharisees. He called them out for being legalist. But oftentimes, what he is directly pointing to is the condition of their heart, not their activity. Their activity in itself, a lot of times, wasn't what was bad. It was their motive. It's what was going on behind the scenes. And, man, that's going to be always between you and the Lord to know the truth. What motivates me? Am I motivated? Am I doing these things ultimately because I want to know God, love Him more, serve Him more faithfully? Or am I self-righteous? And so uh, Hughes, in his book, says it this way. He says, legalism is self-centered. Obedience is God-centered. And, man, other people look at your life and not know the difference. But God knows, and we need to self-evaluate always. Right? Am I doing this to be seen by other people? Am I giving so that people see that I'm generous? Or do I give because I love God and, and be, out of my love for Him and the overflow of His love for me, man, I, I want to meet needs that my brothers and sisters have or that, that meet needs so that lost people can hear the gospel. It's a motivation issue. Um, all right, so let's dive into the first one. And you guys good? Is, is my speed all right? All right, I may need to go a little faster. All right, so the first one is the Word of God, right? The first discipline we're going to talk about is the Word of God. It's our intake of Scripture, okay? Our intake of Scripture. Uh, Whitney says this, Regardless of how busy we become with all things Christian, we must remember that the most transforming practice available to us is the disciplined intake of Scripture. So, the first thing I'm going to say about Scripture is that we need to hear it, right? That we need to hear it. Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it, obey it. We need to hear it. We need to hear it. So we need to be disciplined in hearing the Word of God. So what, what's going to be primary there? Where are we going to hear the Word of God? To read it, yep. Sunday worship, right? And that, that's another thing. Uh, I wish we had a breakout today. Oh, we do. So we're going to have a breakout today on um, the, the importance of the local church. I, I highly recommend that you all go to that. It's, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite breakouts that Spence does. So good. Um, but yeah, we need to be there to hear the word of God. Just to hear it read, to hear it preached, we need to take it in with our ears, Right? Um, another way, yeah, is, uh, and a lot of these will blend together, but read it. For me, I try to get somewhere to do my quiet time where I am away from people because I don't, it's not quiet. For me to pay attention well, whether in prayer or Bible study, I, I need to talk or read out loud, and, and I need to pace. Otherwise, I get sleepy or I get distracted. And so I go places where I can pace and read Scripture. And a lot of times I just start my quiet time I'm just, I'm not meditating, I'm not studying, I'm not going deep. I'm just reading large portions of Scripture out loud because I need to hear the Word of God. Um, I mean, to get where you can hear the, the you know, audio, audio Bible, and that's awesome. Get an app on your phone, talk about more about that in a second, where you can just play Scripture. 
don't feel bad. Don't feel bad if, you know, if on your commute, you dedicate, you discipline yourself just to allow Scripture to wash over you. If you realize, oh, I've gone a couple of miles and I, I wasn't paying attention. That's all right. Like, that's cool. That's going to happen. But be disciplined just to allow the Word of God to wash over you, to, to flow through you, to hear it. it. It doesn't return void, right? Even if your brain feels like a void, the Word of God won't return void, right? It's not empty. It's powerful. So set that time aside to hear the Word of God. What you're saying to the Lord is, man, I need to hear from you. Your thoughts are more important than my thoughts, right? So we get them in. Uh, podcast, another great tool that we have. Uh, so find your, your favorite teacher. Man, if you don't know uh, who's good or who, who's potentially a heretic, man, ask, ask a pastor. Uh, people have their favorites. You want to hear some of mine? Great, I'll tell you. Uh, John Piper is a staple for me, and he has been since the first time I heard him preach uh, when I was like 21 years old. Just, man, just awesome. Uh, Alistair Begg, Scottish accent. Check uh, R.C. Sproul. I have always known who he was, but and my, my younger brother is a big fan. And then when he passed away, I realized I've never even heard the guy preach, and I'm loving it. I'm, I'm eating it up. That, right now, that's when I jump in the shower or sh- I start shaving my head, shave, jump in the shower, I'm playing R.C. Sproul, whatever pops up on his app for that day. It's just good. And, and, uh, and R.C. Sproul is a, a preacher and theologian of a denomination that I don't agree with all the finer points of Scripture, all the secondary issues. You know what? That's good for me. He's not a heretic, but it's good for me to be challenged on. You know what? Let me hear what he has to say about baptism. Because ultimately, I want to surrender to Scripture, not the tradition I'm most comfortable with, right? And it's good because it, if, if I'm right, it'll just push me further in that direction. I don't have to break fellowship with somebody over that issue. But I also better be prepared to give an answer for why I believe what I believe. Sound like Rich Mullins. There we go. All right. If you got that, you're not a kid. All right. Where was I? Rich Mullins. He's not in my notes. All right. So here in the word of God next, uh, reading, right? Reading. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need scripture. And to, so to read scripture, if you're able to read, read. Uh, listen to this. Um, this is from somebody who researches things like this. Um, most audio Bibles, it takes about, uh, if you just played it, started Genesis and went all the way through, and it just played somewhere by itself, it would take about 71 hours for it to play all the way through the Bible. It's kind of crazy, right? It seems like it would take a lot longer. So, uh, listen to this. If most American men substituted their TV time for reading the Bible they would have read through it in less than four weeks. Sobering. Here, I'll make it worse. It would take about a week if we substituted all of our screen time. Just picking up your phone, computer, whatever form of entertainment, if we substitute it. I'm not saying that we have to do that, and that's not, but I'm, just for context, right? Pr- what are we prioritizing? I say this, reading Scripture... This, again, is going to bleed over, but, man, just to read it, just to read it. So one thing I'm going to suggest is uh, having a plan. You've got to have a plan, right? In anything, if you don't have a plan, it doesn't get done. There's very few people who can just wing it in life and do well. There are some, uh, and I'm thankful for them. I work for one, but <laughs> there's very few people who can pull that off. 
Now, we need to have a plan, right? Like, if you don't have a plan, those cabinets aren't getting fixed. Right? If you don't have a plan, you're not going to get in shape. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to grow in godliness. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to read through the Bible like you've been saying you're going to every year, right? Have a plan. And I'll tell you, that some technology, the enemy is using this like crazy, and for some of us, we shouldn't have it. For some of us, we shouldn't have access to this, right? If different breakout. Right, if pornography is an issue, you should not have this. Just don't. Just don't. Your holiness is more important than whatever it is you do on this. And in the fall, we're going to do a breakout just on that. Okay. Um, But man, there are, if you can't have this, there are great tools on here. I recommend downloading the ESV app, the ESV Bible app. And there's there's more Bible plans. You'll spend more time picking which Bible plan than you will listening to the Bible, I promise. Like, there's a ton of them on there. Pick one and go. And here's what's great. It'll read it to you. Read it, but, man, on your commute, yeah, just hit the little thing that looks like a speaker, and it'll read the Bible to you. And in no time at all, you'll have gone through the whole Bible. So just read it, listen to it, get it in. Okay. So the next one, so listening, reading, um, studying, studying. Okay, this is where we're going to go a little deeper, and this is important. And this isn't just for pastors. This isn't just for theologians. It's for Christians, okay? We need to study Scripture. This is where we're going to slow down. We're going to slow down, and maybe we'll just pick one book of the Bible to go through at a time. Slow down, because what we want to hear, we want to hear God's Word, but we want to see what God said but then also know what he means, what he meant by what he says, and then what it means for us, like today, to be able to really apply scripture. We need to slow down and think about what did God say, what did he mean by what he says, right? And so and this takes, which is going to bleed over to our next point, but man, meditating on scripture, slowing down, asking questions, and, and you're going to find that and if we went around the room, I know, man, there's a lot of guys in the room that have been studying the Bible longer than me, and that people have learned different things that just work for them. For me, right now, it's like, it's all about investigation. I, I, just, start, I just start throwing questions at Scripture. So I got my journal right there, and I'm just writing down all these questions. You know, what does this mean? If he, if he means this by this, then maybe that. Or if he means this, then maybe it's going in this direction. I just start asking questions that I, I need to investigate to find the answers to. And just drives me into the context of that passage, right? And so uh, what I'm looking for is themes in the Bible, themes to kind of rise to the surface of a given chapter of Scripture. Well, what, what, is he, what is he ultimately getting at? And what this guards against is falling into false teaching, is falling into taking a passage out of context as soon as I take a passage out of its context, I'm going to apply it wrongly to my life. And, and I'm in danger of perverting a doctrine of Scripture, a teaching of the Bible, like who Christ is, who God is, why we need salvation, how we're saved. All these things can get twisted when we take little passages out of their context. So we need to know how to study the Bible in its context. So asking questions, and that's going to lead us to, all right, we, I need to know something about the, the historical background of the time period that this letter was written. I need to know who wrote it, who he was writing to, and what the situation was, and something about the language in which he wrote it. Now, already, 
Like, I'm overwhelmed by that. Because, you know, and if you're somebody, man, you've got a full-time job, full-time family, and you're serving in church, when are you going to go out and get all the degrees necessary to know about all these things? Well, don't worry. You don't have to. Because the Lord has provided these people throughout church history. And in a minute we'll go over scripture that talks about all the different giftings and the things that the Lord has given the church. One of the things he's given us is men and women who have spent their lives studying these things. Man, it's all, there's nothing wrong. Like That is the way the, the, the church is structured. There is nothing wrong with learning from those who have gone before us. Right? Like I, I, I am no Greek scholar. I'm not even very good at English. So, man, I'm going to use tools that help me understand the Bible better. Nothing wrong with that. And so uh, I recommend some commentaries here to, to start answering our questions, start getting the background information to help us with the language. Um, a good study Bible will help, and a commentary will help even more, okay? So a good study Bible all it's going gonna, gonna to give you... Uh, information on all those things in a condensed format, and that's a great place to start. Uh, the ESV study Bible is great. Um, I think my all-time favorite one, is probably just because I, I got it when I was a new Christian, is the Nelson study Bible. Just really helpful resources out there. Uh, commentary series. Do y'all know what commentaries are, right? It's like you can have a book of the Bible that's like two pages long in your Bible, and then a commentary that's like two volumes on those two pages, right, where they're really digging in deep to the language and the background, and there's different levels. Uh, so there's more like pastoral-type commentaries, like the NIV application commentary is a pretty uh, entry-level commentary series, the NIV application. It's great. I, I use that one. I try to have one on three different levels, and that's the one that I'm going to go to first when, I, when, I'm, when I've meditated on a passage, when I've studied it, and, and asked questions and exhausted my knowledge and my time in prayer asking the Holy Spirit to teach me, and now I'm going uh, to start going to some resources. That's the first one, that first level. Um, another one on that level is Christ-centered that I really recommend. This is a pretty new one. Uh, Christ-centered exp- exposition exalting Jesus in, and then whatever book of the Bible you're studying. Okay, so like in Romans. Um, and then next level up would be the N-I-C-N-T, or the N-I-C-O-T, depending on if you're studying a book out of the New Testament or the Old Testament. Uh, great resources. Um, but I came back to, because I realized I forgot to say it a minute ago, was that time with the Holy Spirit. And I uh, and just like I skipped it in my presentation, sometimes I'm guilty of skipping it in my time in the Word. And I, and I jump over this, this amazing intimacy that we get to have with God, and I go right to the resources. And shame on me when I do that, because all I'm doing is I might get the right answer, but I've skipped over the whole point. Remember, what's the point of this discipline? Godliness experiencing my God and being conformed to the image of Jesus. Man, so this step of praying and asking the Holy Spirit who Jesus said he was sending to lead us into truth and to teach us his word, man, don't skip that. Man, spend time in prayer. Spend time asking God to teach you, to reveal his truth to you. Oh man, we need to go so much faster. You guys, for real, listen faster, okay? Okay. Here we go. Um, so meditating, I'm going to go really fast. 
Uh, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, what is, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Okay, so just real brief on meditation. This is not, don't think yoga, don't think new age, right? This is not empty your mind. This is fill your mind with scripture. It's the opposite. It's not empty your mind and find you. No, fill your mind with scripture and know Jesus. Okay, that's meditation. Um, again, like look for, when you're meditating on scripture, I mean, look for themes, Look for the focus. Look for how this passage points to Jesus. What do we learn about the gospel here? What am I learning about who I am in Christ? What am I learning about what sins I need to repent of and temptations to avoid? Like, look for that. Meditate on it. Be intentional. All right. Um, memorizing is the next one. Meditation and then memorizing. Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, again, have a plan. For me, uh, what works best is whatever bi- book of the Bible I'm studying more in depth, where, wherever I'm at, whatever chapter I am, I, I'm in, I try to identify a verse that lines up the clearest with the focus of that chapter, and I try to memorize it. Um, Colossians 3, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. All right, and application, this will end the the section on the Word of God, application. Just look for points, again, where where this meets your life. Like, when you leave that time, what am am I going to do with this? How do I obey this? So a lot of the questions I already went over um, right here would just be good to pause and write down. Yeah, what, what did I learn about Jesus? What did I learn about myself? What do I need to avoid? What do I need to do? Write those things out. All right. The next discipline, prayer. So these two would be the most foundational ones. That's why we're spending the most time on them. Is because really all the other disciplines, if these two things aren't in place, they're going to fall flat. So prayer. Um, Matthew 6, 5, Jesus assumes that we're going to pray, right? And when you pray, Colossians 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. Scripture assumes that we're going to pray, but it also teaches us how to pray, right? Um, Matthew 6, 5 through 13, the Lord's or the disciples' prayer. I say this, for, for me, it's not that we don't know what prayer is or that we're supposed to do it. It's that we, a lot of times, again, we don't have a plan. And we end up saying, uh, Whitney says it this way, we end up saying the same old things about the same old things. And you get stuck in a rut or you, you don't plan well, so you end up, halfway, you know, you think, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray on my way to work, and halfway there you realize all you're thinking about is what you're going to do when you get to work, right? And, and so find what works for you. For me, it's praying out loud helps, but really where I'm thriving in my prayer life is, uh, man, I've got a folder on my laptop, and I named it prayer because I'm creative, and I'm just, I'm just typing out, man. I put the date on there, and I just type out my prayers, when I type it out, it, it, for me, it helps me focus. For you, it might be a journal. It might be walking in the woods and saying it out loud. Whatever works for you, but you need to have a plan. And for me, it took trial and error. The whole driving to work thing, it just never worked for me. I'd hear people say, I pray on my commute. And I also live like four minutes from here. <laughs> Not very disciplined. Uh, 
you know, and that, that, that's awesome. But for me, man, that just never worked. I'm too easily distracted. So I need, to, I need to put myself in a position where I can really focus. And typing out my prayers word for word helps me. And there's some things, if I'm, if I'm worried about it being sensitive and I don't want somebody else to see it, I'll either delete it or I just type the first letter of all the words I'm thinking. And it just helps me focus, man. And I spend that time with the Lord. And, and I am. I'm, I'm able to look back over that. You've heard maybe your godly grandmother say this, right? To be able to look back over those prayers and see how God has answered them. Um, another thing that is really helpful is praying Scripture. There's a lot of prayers in Scripture for us to use as a template. The Lord's Prayer, obviously, like that, that, that outline that the Lord gives us. Now, man, I study through that, intentionally study through it so I would pray better. And that's become an outline for all my prayers. I don't always follow the same order, and I don't say it in the word for word, but I follow that outline that he gives us in the Lord's Prayer. Um, Psalm 51, right? When you're, when you're feeling the weight of your sin and guilt and having a hard time moving from guilt to reconciliation and you're drifting instead into shame, may go to Psalm 51 and read David's prayer of repentance after committing adultery and having his best friends murdered. That'll help with the shame issue, right? And read through how he saw and understood as he was being led by the Holy Spirit into the grace of God. Um, Colossians 1, 9 through 14, uh, as far as for supplication for other people, uh, and this is these, these verses are what I consistently um, pray over my family. Um, it, it's just beautiful. And it, again, it's not always word for word, but it's an outline now in my mind where I can pray over people um, that they grow in the knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding and they would grow in their, their love for God, their knowledge for God, that they would grow in being fruitful for the kingdom, being filled with thanksgiving, honoring the Lord. And it just becomes a pattern in your mind. And again, you, you end up not saying the same old thing about the same old things. Uh, to pray without ceasing. Um, this is formal times and informal. Because it's also like the more that we're disciplined in the formal times of prayer that you set apart, you'll find that you're becoming more disciplined in the informal. What do I mean? Just on the go. Right? You have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Your mind immediately will go to a quick prayer. You're just talking to the Lord in your mind. You're tempted to look down a girl's blouse when she bends over and bounce those eyes and pray, confess that. I'm tempted right now to lust. Lord Jesus, help me. Right, bring scripture to my mind. Your mind will become more disciplined on the go. Um, I, I believe that's what he means by praying without ceasing. Uh, another good uh, outline, and I learned this early on uh, as a Christian, and I wrote it in my Bible, uh, the first Bible I ever had. It was that Nelson Study Bible. And it's just a, uh, what do they call it when every letter stands for something? Acrostic. Thank you. Um, is the word acts. Have you ever heard this? And A stands for adoration. Just start by praising God. Again, this would go to the same outline that the Lord gave us in his prayer. Right? Adoration. Uh, what letter's next? Uh, C, right? Yeah. A confession. Right? Confessing sin. And then thanksgiving and supplication. Supplication, praying for needs, for your own needs and the needs of other people. Man, I had that written in the front of my Bible uh, and, uh, for years. I, that's how I would pray. I would open that up, be reminded of that outline. Very helpful. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication.
All right. Uh, the next one is, uh, and it's going to get shorter and shorter because some of these, there's not necessarily a lot to even say on them other than we just need to do them. Um, fasting. Fasting. It's another thing in Scripture that uh, Jesus himself, when he's speaking, just assumes that we're going to do it. When you fast, and then he tells us things to avoid, right? Um, so fasting is something we should do. Uh, can be defined this way. Uh, this is how Whitney defines it in his book. Christian fasting is a believer's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. And again, this is all about motivation. It's all about motivation, right? It's not uh, for, uh, you know, a weight loss technique, right? This isn't just, you know, and there's all these books out there where, you know, Christian dietitian describes, like, the benefits of your body. Like, great, great, but this is for spiritual purposes. This is for intimacy with God and growing in godliness. The danger is that, and, and it, it, maybe you've heard people talk this way about fasting, where it becomes almost pagan. Right? Well, what's the heart of pagan, all pagan religions? It's there's a God out there, and I need to do the right thing to manipulate that God to get him to do what I want to do. That's demonic at its core, right? Because really what's happening is those demonic false gods are manipulating people to do what they want them to do. It's a cycle of debauchery. That is not at all what fasting is. Fasting isn't like, you know, depriving yourself of something to incite God to go, oh, I see, he's really serious. He's twisting my arm on this one. I will save his daughter. That's not scripture. That's not God. First of all, you cannot manipulate God. You can't twist his arm. That's not what's happening. I mean, fasting is, for us, is, uh, John Piper refers to it as like an intensifier. Because what should happen is when whatever, whether a food or a hobby or whatever it is that you're abstaining from, when, when you feel the draw to it, it's to be a reminder. And I need to pray for that. So there's this, uh, a guy in our church that I mean, has fallen back into addiction. And I mean, for an extended period of time, I dedicated one day a week that I was going to fast for him. That he'd, be, that he'd break free from that addiction. That he'd come back into fellowship. And then I did it so that every time I felt hungry or lightheaded or, or irritable, I remembered, why am I angry? Because I haven't eaten. Why haven't I eaten? I'm supposed to be praying, right? And to dedicate the time that I set aside for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, that day, that, I'm going to use that same time and be very disciplined in my prayer over that issue. Man, that's not, that's not for God to go, oh, now I'll answer that prayer. It's for me. It's for me to grow in godliness. It's for me to spend more time with God, to be more focused, to be more intentional. Um, it can be broader than just giving up food. I think, and uh, who was, I forget what pastor I was listening to a long time ago say this, that I mean, a lot of times, if you abstain from something in your life that you enjoy, um, it's not abstaining because you enjoy it as if that's bad, but a lot of times it will, it'll, it'll bring idols in your life to the surface. That you'll realize that when you're hungry or bored or whatever, that irritable, angry, depressed, it'll, it'll, it'll reveal. If you set that thing out of your life and said, I'm not going to do that for this extended period of time, 
you'll see when, when is it that I want that most? And is that a time when I should be going to this when really man, maybe I should be going to God for that? You know, if, if I removed entertainment for a month and realized, man, when I'm stressed out, I just want to sit down and, man, I just, need to, I just need to watch a movie. If that's the consistent habit of my life, man, I need that rooted out. And so abstaining from it can reveal that I'm maybe allowing this to become an idol in my life. And maybe it's gone from a good gift that I can enjoy to something that's starting to have control over how I think and feel. And that's, I, I don't need that, right? That, that's a place in my life only for Jesus. So fasting can help with that. Um, supernatural fast, right? Like if you're going to go 40 days without food and water, you might want to check with God first, right? Make sure he's behind that fast. Otherwise, you'll die. Uh, so there's also like partial fast, right, that we see in Scripture where people just abstain for food for a period of time. Um, you, you know, the, the quote-unquote Daniel fast where he only ate vegetables and drank water instead of meat and drinking wine to show that he did not need uh, these, the food offered to idols, that he was going to be faithful to Yahweh. Um, so there was a specific thing happening in that context, but we can glean from it is, yeah, we— it, it doesn't have to be all or nothing fast. We just need to, if you make that commitment, keep it and allow it to be an intensifier for you in your relationship with the Lord. Okay, faster. Uh, next one is worship. Um, just say this uh, again, back to that overarching point of why we even exist. And just to bring in the add a note of singing in that Colossians passage, uh, he says, yeah, we should be filled with the word of Christ, teach other people, and then sing. We should, we should sing. And it doesn't mean you're going to sing well. I, I can, I'm, I'm awful, right? Like when Phil sang at the end of the service last night, I was like, man, that's awesome. And I'm jealous. Like, why don't you also do something else awesome that some of us can't do in front of us all? You know, that's great. Um, but that's it, a great, I can't sing. Like there was one time uh, I was in the stairwell with this on before I came out to preach. And I didn't realize that it was on, on. And so there, Zach's out here doing what he's gifted to do, singing, and I'm looking at my notes and sometimes singing along, and I did not know that it was playing in here and on the porches and on the radio. Whoops. That was funny. I guess you had to be there. Um, but yeah, but that doesn't remove me. That's all I'm getting at. It doesn't remove me from my responsibility, like, to be obedient here. God, listen, this is crazy. God desires to hear us sing to him and about him. So we need to do it. And so whether that's with the radio cranked or in the, in, you know, a lot of times when I'm in here and I get really excited and I'm singing loud, I do this for the people next to me, right? Yeah, man, but singing to the Lord, singing about the Lord. Um, the next one is evangelism, uh, which, man, we had two awesome sessions talking about that this morning. So I'm not going to go into it anymore other than um, to say that Jesus, again, this isn't a specific gifting. It is a specific gifting for some people, but all of us are called to it, right? That we all need to be sharing the gospel. Evangelism, serving, um, serving again for time. I'm going to go super quick is that ultimately we need to serve out of an obedient, thankful, glad, humble heart filled with love. Okay, I'll do that one more time. We need to serve out of an obedient, thankful, glad, humble heart because of God's love that he's poured out in us. 
and I'll say this, I'm going to give you some passages if you're unfamiliar with this, um, but we each, everybody in the body of Christ, has been given gifts that we all need to look for every way possible to serve, but, but the Lord's gifted you. And, the, and if you don't know what that gift is, I mean, just start serving, and it'll, it'll rise to the surface. And, and, and people in the church will help with you with that. Like, if you think your gift is singing, they'll let you know by putting you at the back of the choir or, you know, I don't if your churches do special music. Unfortunately, mine doesn't. Um, but you don't, you'll never, your rotation, it'll just never happen, right? But there's giftings that the Lord has given you that will. If you will just start getting your hands dirty, just start showing up for things, where you're gifted will rise to the surface. The things that motivate you to, to get up and get going, like it'll, it'll come to the surface. But here's some passages that, to study to see what the Lord would teach you on your specific giftings. Romans 12, 4 through 8. Romans 12, 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12, 5 through 11. And then again later in the chapter, and then chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 12 and chapter 14. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13, and 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, oh, I've got to be done soon. All right, last one that we'll cover, right? Yeah, last one we'll cover is just stewardship. Um, this would include being faithful, like we're going to have to answer to God for this, so be faithful with your time, your money, and your relationships. Um, and a lot of what we've already said just would apply here as well. Time, right, our days are short. Don't be arrogant and think that, I mean, you've got time to do things that to serve the Lord. Our time is short, and we're told to redeem the time because the days are evil. We need to be busy about not only godliness in our own life, but in the lives of others because, man, this world is evil, and time is short. Our life is but a vapor. Um, be faithful with our money, right? It all belongs to God. Giving is an act of worship. Same thing, right? Same thing with serving. It should be done with obedient, thankful, humble hearts. Um, and our relationships, we either should be evangelizing people or discipling them, right? Because they're already believers. Um, investing in them, having fellowship with them. Um, awesome. You guys, uh, you know, I forgive you for listening slowly. So that was 50 minutes. You guys are awesome. I apologize for being long-winded. Um, I've got my notes up here. This will be on the website if anything, if you'd like to go back and listen to again, or if you have questions, uh, please, please let me know. But um, I'll pray, and then the next breakout's not until uh, 2.15. Lord Jesus, love you. God, thank you for this time. Um, forgive me for not being a good steward of it, and uh, pray to bless these guys for hearing it and that, that we would all um, grow in godliness for your glory. Um, Lord, we love you and we need you. In Christ's name, amen.